everybody welcome to talking it out podcast this is your girl gabby and kp enjoy is not here unfortunately but she will be back next week and um yeah thank you again for joining us another tuesday we're here to talk about something controversial to get you thinking because you know that's what we do we talk it out hashtag talk it out pod um, make sure you hit us up on our social media accounts while we're at it. We have a Facebook, facebook.com slash talkitoutpodcast. We have an Instagram, instagram.com slash podcast. We have a Twitter at talkitout underscore pod. Hit us up there, and yeah, let's get right to it. We know we don't, we don't even like sugarcoating it. We are here today to talk about two big things. One of them is kind of going back to that episode we did about hip-hop which was called I Used to Love Her, But Hip-Hop Never Loved Me. And it kind of talks about marginalized people and, you know, how we have to, how we like the music, but a lot of times the messages in the music are toxic to us and, like, go against who we are. And so we're going to talk about that to talk about Kendrick Lamar and his new song, Humble. And we're also going to talk a little bit about Dave Chappelle and the the main topic of discussion this, this week will be about the school system and quote unquote bad kids and what we think contributes to um, what people say, you know, this generation is, is worse than any other generation. This generation is the most violent generation. And, and you know, the increase in suspensions and expulsions. What we think causes that, what we think we can do to help it, and if we think it's even a really big deal. So we'll talk about all that today. And so let's get started. So, boom. Kendrick Lamar. Last week, released a video song titled Humble. Now, when I first saw it or heard about it, I was on Twitter. And they were already starting a discussion on it. So I thought the song was just going to be about like him talking about women and women need to do this, women need to do that. I heard the song and it was actually about like Big Sean or something like that. But he did have a part that sparked controversy with the the quote unquote feminist um on Twitter and, and everywhere else. Where he was like, um what did he say, KT? Do you, do you have the lyrics pulled up? I do. You know it did. Okay, so he said, I'm so fucking sick and tired of the Photoshop. Show me something natural like Afro on Richard Pryor. Show me something natural like a ass with some stretch marks. Then uh, during that part, there was a, a light-skinned girl who sh- sh- one half of the screen, she had makeup on, and then the other half of the screen, she didn't. And one half of the screen, she had her hair all pushed back and, like, she had a dress on, was basically a bad bitch. And then the next, pa- the other one, she had on um, a wife beater and so- some really, really short shorts with their ass out. <laughs> and she had her hair uh in in a natural state but it was a weave um well, yeah that was pretty much the gist of the lyrics that sp- sparked the discussion now of course you know everybody would call it a feminist backlash um we're all angry 
For so angry. For for having the audacity to question what Kendrick Lamar is saying. Oh no. How dare you? Especially one of the quote unquote conscious people. Oh no. Don't do that. Or the, and then you're reading too much into stuff. You're you're ruining the fun. Whatever, whatever. But just just with the with that part. I mean, the the song was not about really a woman. It was more like a diss track to somebody and telling them to be humble. But I just it it did bring on a discussion about natural what is natural and also why people think that women should be just like oh my gosh, Kendrick Lamar is the greatest ever because he had the he had the audacity to say that we are beautiful without makeup and he wants to see stretch marks oh my gosh Kendrick you're the savior of all women I'm just gonna throw my underwear at you now um so and it's like you you should be grateful for whatever you get and for a lot of people that don't understand, like, usually when you're talking to a guy and they're not thinking about, you know, they don't care about women's issues, then you just flip it. If it was a black and white issue, it's like some, some white person telling you, well, black people, I like you better when when you're, um, when you wear your natural texture. And when, um, I like your dark skin and I like your this and I like your that. Now, some people might say, oh. Oh, look at this this is great but majority of the people that's telling us to ex- to accept these folks telling us this would be like what what this white man gonna tell me about loving my natural hair i can do whatever i want this man don't get a cookie for telling me that my natural texture hair is beautiful right. he shouldn't even be talking to me about this because he is not even a black person okay now let's flip it a man telling a woman you look pretty without makeup. I wish you didn't wear makeup. I like you better in your natural state. It's like you're not even a woman. Okay, I guess. Thank you. Oh, man, I never met in my life. Man, I will never talk to. Oh, thank you so much for that compliment. Now get on about your business because you're not a woman. And your your opinion was not grant, was not needed. You know what I'm saying? It's just like why even... I guess you just want a cookie. It's just the whole cookie thing. So... I want to ask you, uh, Gabby, because you're a black woman. Um, so do you do you think that Kendrick Lamar is is pro black and not pro woman or like because he, he said things, you know, about Black Lives Matter and all this stuff. And like people are even Time magazine was like. What did they say? I had it written down. Either way, they said something along the lines of that uh, All Right was uh, an anthem for Black Lives Matter, basically saying it's going to be okay, um, and all this other stuff. So so what do you say as a, you know, as a black woman as to how you feel about Kendrick Lamar? Well... I'm not basing this synopsis on this one song, obviously. No. This song, it wasn't even about black women. But, you know, as far as, like I said, y'all go back and listen to that episode. I was talking about the quote-unquote conscious rappers who are given passes to say certain things because they are quote-unquote conscious. J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar. 
They're allowed to say the F word. They're allowed to say the B word because there's a hidden message and they have a, a, they use bigger words than everybody else and they talk about black issues. But my thing is, a lot of these rappers reflect society. And as far as society goes, the pro-black movement has always been inherently misogynistic from the get-go. Women had to force their way to be seen and to even get leadership positions and don't even get started on LGBT people. They just, you get hidden or you're not even spoken of. So as far as Kendrick Lamar, I think he just pretty much just reflects the mainstream pro-black movement. He hasn't put anything out and they'll say, well, this was something, this was something. Y'all ain't never satisfied. What what does he say? Like th- this is this is the thing that should make him the the feminist man of the of the year. Like what have they done specifically to highlight black women's stories? That's what I think when, when I think of pro black. Right, and when you say they, what do you who do you mean by they? Are you talking about fake conscious folks? I'm just or? saying these conscious rappers and people that they yeah. tell us to to shut up about. What have they done? Like, if with Beyonce, like, I'm not the biggest Beyonce fan ever, but what she did to uplift those black women in um some of her music videos or whatever was beautiful and was great. Something like that, where there is not just a sexualized, oh, ooh, I love me some black women. Let's, let's zoom in on their booties. No, it's like... Let's actually uplift black women and give them a space and and praise black women and talk about black women. If and you know, I don't know. I, I have not seen that. Show me a video if there is one. And where it's not policing black women saying you need to keep your leg closed and you you better than this and you bet no, just just uplift them. If I see something like that, then I will say yes, they are. But I have not seen anything like that yet from these rappers. So. If I'm wrong, correct me, but I don't think so. I think this kind of brings us into Dave Chappelle. And yes, I wanted to bring that up. And yes, Katie, yes, yes. Uh, I get her to watch some of it. Oh. And I, I gave her a forewarning beforehand. No, it's very what they call um, not politically correct. Like, it's a bad thing. He says uh, it's, you know, it's problematic. And so, KT, tell me a little bit about what you thought. You didn't watch the whole thing. You didn't even watch halfway through the thing. You cut it off. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the the, the show. Well, first of all, it wasn't even funny. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be completely 100%. It was not funny at all. Like, from <laughs> the beginning that you made me watch till about... A little less than halfway through, I did not even smile. I literally, <laughs> did, I didn't crack a single smile. I did not laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that was because you know you had gave me a, a forewarning about it, but the amount of jokes about LGBT people, um, the amount of slurs used towards trans people. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of rape jokes, the amount of, uh, you know, women jokes, like that, none of that was funny. 
And I talked to I talked to a white guy about it, someone very close to me, and he was like, "Oh well, you know, it's just comedy. You know, you're just supposed to laugh it off or whatever." But like. A woman getting raped, is, first of all, is not funny at all. And mm-hmm. the impression of other people is not funny at all. So I don't know if, like, people just don't understand that. And, like, it was just so cringy. Like, every, all of it was just so cringy. And I was just like, um, it's not okay for you to use translators. And it's not okay. Like, I understand that, you know, you are within your own oppressed group of people, black men. Like, I I totally get that. But that doesn't make it okay for you to say, like, bad things about other oppressed groups of people. And then we're supposed to just laugh it off. Yeah. And, and as you also notice, it was like, like you said, you said it right. He's in his own oppression, black men. It's like the women weren't even, like, involved. Like, and the, the two the two jokes about black women were both violent jokes. Like the one about Ray Rice beating his uh wife, and then the one about that black lady getting beaten on the by the side of the road. Both right. of those are the only j- jokes about black women. They were both violent. I noticed that. And, and then there was a, another yeah. joke in there. I hate to interrupt you, but there was another joke that I was like, "Huh?" He said that men. Who was it? In what country was he talking about? The Philippines. Men yeah, in the yeah, Philippines. Yeah. He's talking about men in the Philippines, I believe. And he said that down there, women aren't taking care of their children. Instead, it's men taking care of them, so it's emasculating. So the only thing that they have to go forward is a boxing match, which apparently makes them more man again. So what he was saying was that Taking care of your children is so emasculating. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, boxing, a violent sport where people get basically killed, um, it is more manly. So, and like, what kind of sense does that make? The whole thing. I mean, I, I ain't gonna lie. I, there were some things I chuckled at. It's just, it's Dave Chappelle, his voice. His voice is what makes it funny most of the time. And, but when he first said that first rape joke, when he was talking about the superhero person, like, you could see the crowd, like, all the women, majority of the women were like, what? Like, a majority of the women were, like, taken aback, like, eh. and some of them didn't even laugh. They were just, made, had these crazy looks on their face, like, really? And a majority of the men chuckled. Some of the men laughed way too hard, which I way was like. Way too hard. Mm. And that's what I'm saying because a lot of the times, because think about it, in the audience, majority of the people in there were white. Majority of the people in there were males. Yeah. Yep. And majority in there were probably straight. So you're you're. It's not like oh, we're having an LGBT show. This is for the gays, and then we can say some jokes because we'll be in our own little safe space and we'll understand. No, you're telling these jokes to people that are the oppressors. So it's not like it's well, we get a diverse group, so everybody gets everybody gets you know everybody gets joked on you know. But no, I didn't. Mm-mm. That, that's what I don't get. It's like, okay, a joke is a joke, but it's telling about what jokes you tell in certain areas. 
Like you chose, but, you chose yeah. to tell that joke. You had there's a five gajillion things you could you could joke about in the, in this world, but you chose specifically to tell those jokes in that specific environment. Why? <laughs> How did Dave Chappelle end up sounding like an old white man? He really did. He could you could have put like Louis C.K. up there saying them same things, and it, it would have fit. That's interesting. But that's for another show. All right, so let's get into the main event. I want to talk about something because um, I think it's, you know, if we don't do anything about it, you know, the, the world is coming to an end, apparently. Um, so this generation, not millennials, maybe a little on the end tell of millennials, but the one under us, they're getting a very, very bad rap. Worse than us, I think. Uh, to them being violent, out of control, disrespectful, and all of the above. And actually, um, I don't know if y'all remember Miss D, who was in the criminal justice episode, who talked to us about the criminal justice system. She is back in the school system now. She left the job at the criminal justice system. And so we, we started having a, a discussion. And she was telling me that the children at these schools are, quote unquote, out of control. They're disrespectful. They're cussing. They're uh, not wanting to do their work. They have no um, no type of drive. They're, you know, they just pretty much in bad shape. And I saw a article, let me pull it up real quick. He is a law, Memphis lawmaker, and he, ironically, is pushing for school vouchers and school choice and sending money to private schools for people to go to. And this is what he said. Uh, Representative John DeBerry, who is Memphis's strongest proponent of school vouchers in the legislature, said... We've got people who can care less whether or not their child is educated, just as long as their child is out of the house so they can go back to bed. And while it's not politically correct to say stuff like that, we all know it exists. So when we take that teacher and take 25 to 30 unraised, untaught, irremannerable, immoral, don't care, you can't teach Give a flip. You can't teach that, he said. You've got chaos and you've got good little children who want to learn trapped in that mess and a teacher who wants to control it. So so this is what I want to talk about. In the school system and even as a society as a whole, us labeling children, children under six, under 16 as problems and as chaotic and as immoral how first of all where do where are people getting this from where do you think people are getting this from is you don't work in the school but i'm sure you've been around young young folks young peoples and i'm sure you've been around old people who talk about young people where do you think people are getting this frame of mind that these children in this next generation are just so out of control that they got demons inside of them? 
Where do you think that's coming from? Uh, honestly, I have no idea. Like, why would first of all, why would you even say that about a about a child? Mm-hmm. Uh, children. I, I've said this multiple, multiple times in plenty of podcasts. Children learn what you teach them. Mm-hmm. So, if anything, it would be a reflection of you yourself and not that child because you're the one raising them. Yeah. If your children are, you know, going wild, they're not listening, they're not understanding, it's because of how you're raising them. You know what I'm saying? It children aren't broke when they're born. They don't just right. automatically grow up and they're or like as soon as they come out the womb, they're just huge, hectic and and all this other crazy stuff and unless you did something yourself while they were in the womb. Like people forget the children are just children. And we forget being a child. So mm-hmm. we don't understand that children are kind of like baby birds and they got to be taken care of until they're ready to fly. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just think it's rude. And I think it. I'm, I'm tired of us treating children like they're criminals and they should just all go to prison. And and that's where I was going to send it to because this is the language that's going to send a lot of our children to prison. And then Why? we're going to be looking around like, oh, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. The teacher should have done something. But you're already using language. So that's telling me when you're if you're thinking that way, when you come into a school, you're going to have that frame of mind. And that's going to affect the way you're teaching those students. And that's going to affect the way you're interacting with those students. Uh And. Yes, you're right. It does start with the parents. Absolutely. And so then when I bring this up to people, they're like. Yeah, because the parents, they're wrong because now, you know, parents, they don't want the kids to work for them. They give them everything. They don't, they let the children run wild. You can't say nothing to them, this and that. And I'm like, okay, that might be true. But from my experience and from the people that in in my family that were acting out, they were acting out because of something that was going on in their homes, not because their parents weren't disciplining them, because many of them got plenty of whoopings. It was that there was something lacking in their home, so they acted out at school. And you can, you know, and, and, that's, and that's what it comes to, because we think children are just monsters like they don't we we don't think that children actually can have mental health issues we don't think children can be traumatized by things we don't think children can be affected by our actions but if they're living in an environment that is toxic with crazy stuff going on that's going to affect them especially if they don't have the cognitive ability to put in their mind and to decipher between what should be affecting them and what should not you know what i'm saying and they don't know how to express their emotions then you're going then you're going to have messed up children. That's just just this the way it is. So instead of saying these children are immoral and disgusting and gross and they should be pretty much thrown to the lions, maybe we should as a people see what we can do to see what is causing these children to act the way they act. So let me ask you something, KT. When you or anybody in your, any of your sisters or siblings, did any of them ever act out or were y'all pretty pretty good in school? Mm, 
I think I was the problem child. Uh, all my other sisters, from what I'm aware, they are really, really, really good in school. Um, my mom was so strict mm-hmm. on on me, not on them. My mom has been really lenient on them, and she doesn't whoop them, and she doesn't spank them. Mm-hmm. But for me, I did actually, I was in ISS before. Mm. Um, for what? In school, this kid basically went and told the teacher that I was cussing and had my phone out. <laughs> and I wasn't. Uh, but they sent me to, well, I did have my phone out, but they sent me to ISS. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Uh, and then in high school, I was uh, always trying to be the funny one in the class. Uh-huh. So I went into ISS then because mm. during class I started to make dinosaur noises. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I was, I was the problem child, but my mom... Did not care about me. Uh, If she did, it was very different than how she cared about my sisters. Uh She spanked me, whooped me, beat me, anything you can think. Mm -hmm. uh, She did to me. So I think in that reflection, you know, as a problem child growing up, and and still to this day, sometimes I'm still the problem child. Um. I think that's a reflection of how I was raised compared to how my sisters are raised. I have I have four little sisters and my mom did none of that to them. They are straight A students, they're introverts, they're smart, they mm-hmm. they're they're awesome. And they don't get in trouble. They stay out of trouble. Yeah. But me on the other hand, I'm I was wild and sometimes still wild. So um so somebody could have saw you and said, look at her. She's just always playing and can't take nothing seriously. Just yeah. get out of get out of there. Just get her out of your head. You need to get suspended. But little did they know that at home, my home life was just absolutely terrible. So I needed a way to, to get and You know, I needed an outlet. I mm. needed somewhere where I could actually be myself. And, like, I wasn't allowed to do that at home. So... I was basically having to grow up at school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and so, that's, yeah, go ahead. And no one was teaching me. I was in, I, at this point, I was in middle school and high school. So I was having to go through puberty, no one teaching me anything, mm-hmm. and having to teach everything by myself. So what did, what did you really expect? I was going to act out. I didn't know how to act, period. No one taught me how yeah. to. The only love I knew was abuse. So... And think about, because when we talk about public schools, you're getting everybody. Think about how many children come from dysfunctional homes and then come to school. A lot. And and that's that's what I don't like about the whole school voucher thing, because it's like running away from a problem. This is what they want you to do. They send send all the quote-unquote good kids to the good schools. So they can learn. Okay, now what we're going to do with the bad kids? When when all the money is gone to the private schools and the charter schools and there's no more money for public schools, if you are, if you are already doing bad, well, you're just going to have to do worse. 
And when we run out of charter schools and private schools, the people that's going to be left in the public schools, well, you know where they're going. They're they going straight to prison pretty much because there's pretty much no hope. And if you really care about these students like you say you do, not just the ones that are easy to control, then your first thing should be, what can we do to improve these children's life and to make sure they succeed? Who is out here going to these having counselor sessions with these with these parents Who was over here going and doing home visits to these p- children's houses and seeing what's going on? Like, when is the last time soul. these people have asked them, like, what's going on in your house? And sometimes they will know. They will know what's going on in the children's house and they'll still suspend them and expel them. And I'm like, what do you think? This is this is not changing anything. You're just getting rid of them for a second, and they're gonna come back. What does what does su- suspending someone help? How does that help them? It doesn't. I mean, that that's what you're saying, but like, how does that literally help them? It helps the you're teacher putting, gives them a chance to 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 not deal with them. That's it. Right, but you're basically putting this child back into an environment that is not allowing them to succeed. And you are giving up on them because it's a challenge for you. Yeah. You are giving up on them as a teacher. And I think that people who do that, they don't deserve to be a teacher. Yeah. We, if, if you know that you want to be a teacher, you know that there's going to be, quote unquote, problem children. Yeah. You know that's going to happen. Because everybody comes from a different house and everybody comes from a different home. It's mm-hmm. your job as a teacher to teach them certain things. Right. Um, and, and, I mean, of course, it's not all up to a teacher to teach the child how to act correctly. It's the whole but school. It, it's, it's everyone. It's the family. It's the teachers. It's the friends. It's everyone in that child's life to help them determine the, the path that they're going to take. Right. And it's just, it's just so sad because, and then also, you know, teachers, They've already got a lot on their plate. And and that's why it just makes me so mad when you get incompetent people in the Department of Education. They, they're just sending, they're just going to send all this money to the private schools and the charter schools. Like I said, public school teachers are already not getting paid enough. And the public school teacher has to try to deal with behavior problems in the class, do classroom management, and try to teach. And it's just too much. So I think they need to invest in everybody having an assistant teacher that can help with classroom management. And I think we need to put a lot of money into the school counseling system because a lot of these children have some very, very deep-rooted stuff going on. And the only way they're going to help get better from that is if they actually get help. Not you screaming at them, hollering at them, then kicking them out. Oh, what is that going to help? You think they're going to say, oh, just wake up one day. I'm better now because you kicked me out for the 10th time. That ninth time wasn't going to work, but that 10th time, boom, I'm perfect. Now I'm going to make straight A's. Like, we, that's just society as a whole in America. We never want to deal with the issue. We want to deal with the side effects. The issue is, in Memphis, Tennessee, we are one of the poorest cities in America. High rates of poverty. People are not going to college. There's no hope. There are no jobs. 
People are stressed. People have children in low socioeconomic areas. They have to work a gajillion jobs. They're not there to raise the child. A lot of times in their home, there's abuse. The child is then psychologically traumatized. They go to school, they cut up, they act out because they feel that's the only way they're going to get attention. And you know what? What we do, instead of talking to them, seeing what's wrong, we just say, okay, go back to the house where you're not getting love and where you're getting abused because we don't want to have nothing to do with you. It's just it's just really a shame and sad. And like I said, this, this, that is literally the essence of the school-to-prison pipeline. And and they just love it. And I think that's all that's why they're doing this. That's why they're cutting the funding, because they know if they cut the funding, they're just gonna it's just gonna fill more money into those prisons and it's just gonna fill yep. those prisons up. And that's really, really sad. <sighs> it's depressing too. I know, like I'm depressed now. Like, oh my goodness. Like we really treat treating children like this. And I know me and you, Gabby, have had this conversation time and time again, but it's like God. You really treating children like this? It's sad. Oh, that brings that gives me a story. I got a story real quick. So this one child we have in uh in class, she's the second youngest child there. I think she turned four like a couple months before like the deadline. And so she's a typical four year old. She likes getting into things. Um, sometimes it's not listen. Has anger problems, I can already see. And, um, yeah. So she, she's real hard-headed. She's real, we're not going to say that. We're going to say strong-willed and independent. She's real strong-willed and independent, and she likes having her way. Mm-hmm. So, um, when was that? Last week? Well, actually, throughout this whole year, she's been telling me about um, her parents hitting her and stuff. And one time she told me her dad hit her in the head so hard that she had bit a hole in her lip. And I saw it and it was bleeding. She was like, my lip hurt. It's bleeding. I said, what happened? She told me. I was like, oh, my goodness. And another time she said her daddy made her stand outside in the cold one time. I don't know if that was true, but I don't know why she would make that up. And then recently, last week, she told me that her dad was punching and whooping her mom and they had to call the police or and she said the police came to my house and so i said does your dad whoop your mom a lot and she told me yeah and i have never seen her dad ever she goes to daycare i've seen her mom a couple times but i've never seen her dad but i believe it i believe everything that girl said because that girl she she just don't make up stuff like that and after she told me that, you know, I'm, I never tra- treated her wrong or nothing like that. But it's just, it gave me more, even more compassion towards her. And it kind of makes me, you know, not being lenient and not correcting her when she's wrong. But it makes me not jump to, to getting angry as fast as I would have previously. Because, and it helps you not to get as angry with any of the children. Because everybody has a story and everybody's going through something. Especially the fact that. There is potentially abuse going on in her house. Well, that will probably be understandable why she's acting out when she comes to school and why she's uh, so quick to get angry and so quick to uh, be aggressive towards other children because of what's going on in her house. Instead of like one of the teachers is one of the teacher is doing, writing her off and just in calling her bad 
you know, you 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 talk to her as much as you can talk to a four year old and, you know, just try to uplift her and encourage her and correct her when she's wrong. So I don't know. They just remind me of that story. But that's sad. It's just. <sighs> so that, that's what I'm going to ask you, Katie. What can we do? Even for people that aren't working in a school. What can we do to help these children that are going through so much and that's got everybody, even their own teachers and their own family saying that they bad and they worthless and they disruptive and they're immoral. What can we do? I think that we can create programs for children, fund those programs, fund uh, public schools that these children are going to. I'm saying what can Um, we do? What can we do? As poor people. As poor people. Um, As poor people, we we can treat children with respect. Okay, how how do we do that? Don't automatically assume just because a child is acting out that they are, quote unquote, bad. Mm -hmm. You need to be more receptive to, like you just said, the reasons why they are acting out and the reasons why they're lashing out. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as poor people, we can also uh, like, let's say, because I don't have any kids. If I did have kids, I would, again, treat them with respect. I think that's really all it comes down to. Like, if we can respect children and we can respect that they're humans growing and developing, then we can, you know, they it will improve their life 100% and mm-hmm. they will grow to be better adults. So, so like, what, what would you have needed? Like, let's say you're back in middle school and high school. What would you have liked to happen? Like if, you know, if you had like a mentor or something like that, what would have been beneficial to you to help you to not act out and to help you find that um, you didn't have to act out in order to be yourself or, I don't know. But what, what would you have needed? Someone to say, I'm here and I love you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I needed someone to be there for me, and I didn't have that. And um, basically, that like I, I needed a mentor. I needed someone to guide me through life and guide me through what's wrong and what's right. Mm-hmm. Maybe not like a lot of things you can decide on your own, like as you get older. But especially as a, a young. A young lad going through puberty. Yeah, I, I needed I needed someone to tell me about that and tell me what was happening and and why I was feeling these ways and you know I just needed a, I needed a mentor. That's what I needed. Yeah. And what about what about self esteem? Did you did you have high self esteem during those times? Like no, it was low, 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 low. Oh. So you think low. so you think maybe someone there to teach you self-love um teach you how uh how great of a person you are teach you how smart tell you how smart you are and how they they care for you and love you would would have been very beneficial yep 100 percent. so that's what we need to do so for people like us we ain't got no political clout as of yet but 
Hashtag talk it out pod. Hashtag talk it out pod. Um, and we ain't got no money as of yet. But there are things we can do. Everybody has some youngins in their family. Everybody has some youngins at their church, at a school, at a community center, whatever. Whereas where there's children and you can sow into the lives of those children. And I'm thinking what the, where the disconnect is and why all these children are becoming so... I don't think they're any worse than we were or our parents' generation was. Uh, that's just some baloney. But I think it's that we're we're not respect like you said respecting our children and giving them pride and you know giving them confidence and and you know encouraging them that's what i that's what i always do i always do that i don't care if a child wrote a um a square with a a line through it i will just make it seem like that's the best thing they've ever done ever and i will give them praise and tell them to keep it up and even when they mess up or they're afraid to mess up i always make sure that you know i keep encouraging them and let them know it's okay to mess up and it's all right because you know they're they're smart and they can do it you know encouragement is very important and that always helps so i think we just as a it's not it's not the children it's us as a people we are mm-hmm. very ignorant when it comes to childhood development. I was just listening to to Stacy Patton. She was on a podcast talking about her her book Spare the Kids. It's about um corporal punishment. Um anyways, but she was just saying we as a people are just very very ignorant when it comes to childhood development. And we we chastise the children and we beat them for stuff that it's like literally scientifically normal for children to do. And right. we don't we don't spend enough time encouraging them. We will if somebody a child does something bad, we will spend five hours going off on them and telling them how they did something bad and how we can't stand them and how they did this and that. If they do something good, we will spend point five seconds looking at it and saying, Oh, okay, yeah, that's good. And and that's it. So I am so proud of you and that's it. Yeah. And you just spent 10 hours going off on how they were so bad and terrible. You think this is going to mm-hmm. outweigh? But, yeah, we, we, we got to do better, everybody. We have to do better. And, and hopefully this this discussion can get you thinking and um, just can help you think about the way you address children, the way you talk about the problems that we have with children or the problems and issues that we face and struggles when it comes to, to raising children and and what and and just for us to take responsibility in the part that we played in the children turning out the way they are and the part we can play into making them better, more responsible, empathetic human beings. So, I think that's it. Um, any housekeeping, any announcements, anything? Oh, no. Oh, I'm almost done making our website. Almost Almost there, y'all. Also, we're going to be on Demurf Show uh, sometime coming up soon. On the Flagrant 2 podcast. A few more guests that's that's been hitting us up. So, y'all be looking out for that. And about that Teal Black, though. Better ask somebody. Right. Um, So, what else? Any more housekeeping? Yeah. Just remember, if you want some artwork done, hit us up on the DM. Want some music work done, hit us up on the DMs. 
And thank you guys for the, listening to the last episode about the fight. Everybody enjoyed Joy's story. It was very entertaining, to say the least. And, um, yeah, just this thank you guys. We hit over a thousand followers on Twitter. That was huge. That was that was great. Thank you guys because we just got Twitter. And like so, literally three months ago. Not too long ago. So that's huge. And yeah, if if you want to support us, you know, we have a PayPal, paypal.me says talk it out. If you don't want to financially support us, so you don't have it financially, all you have to do is just share the episode. That's all we ask. That that's your that's your contribution to us. And we thank you a thousand and a trillion times. Every time you share the episode, every time you mention us on Twitter, anything. Every time you listen, every like time if you, you just listen, click play, we're good. Thanks. It's like $5,000 to us. Like, thank you, right. Rich. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that's it. We're going to wrap it up. This is your girl, Gabby. And this is your girl, KT. And this has been Talk It Talk it out. Yeah, we're talking about yeah. Girl, stop. <laughs>